and the mysterious occult that will stir your imagination and make your very blood run cold. This is Dark Adventure Radio Theater featuring your host, Creighton Cobb. Today's episode... H.P. Lovecraft's The Rats in the Walls. An American businessman undertakes the restoration of his ancient ancestral home in England. After moving in, he's haunted by strange phenomena apparently coming from the very walls of the legend-haunted mansion. A team of experts joins him to dig into the centuried structure's shadowed past and its shadowy cellars. Can the investigators solve the lingering mystery of the grim and rumor-shrouded priory? Or are they merely ushering in the most horrific chapter of the house's monstrous history? But first, a word from our sponsor. Some listeners simply cannot believe that bile beans taken at bedtime can provide a miraculous life-changing cure. But they can and do. Let's meet Mildred, an actual bile beans customer. Hello, Mr. Cobb. Our listeners would love to hear the astonishing story of how bile beans saved your life. Well... I had a medical condition which was very painful. I was dropping weight and losing the color in my cheeks. I saw ten different doctors, and none of them could cure my condition. That's dreadful. What did you do? I was at my wit's end until my friendly neighborhood pharmacist asked if I'd tried bile beans. I hadn't, so I bought a tin that day. What happened? Oh, Mr. Cobb, it was a miracle. As soon as the next day, the pain was gone, and my face resumed a healthy glow. A week later, I was feeling better than ever. I've been taking bile beans at bedtime ever since. And now, Mildred, I must say, you're the very picture of good health. (laughs) Thank you, Mr. Cobb. And thank you, bile beans. Friendly family pharmacies favor bile beans. Ask your neighborhood chemist for them today. Stay healthy, bright-eyed, and slim with Bile Beans. And now, Dark Adventure Radio Theater presents H.P. Lovecraft's The Rats in the Walls. (laughs) Hannah, is that you? Uh, Get in here. Help me. The Yankee soldiers broke through the lines, Mr. Delapore. Your men can't hold them off. 
They're coming here. I reckon they're planning to burn Carfax for sure. What a Mr. Harper, where is he? He got himself shot down at the front gate. Time for me to go. You're not going anywhere. Fetch me my lockbox. I'd say my days of fetching for you are done. Why, you ungrateful No, me. sir! Don't you use that word. Don't you dare. Not ever again. Times has changed. Big Daddy, the Yankees are coming. They have torches. I hear him, Lizzie. Where's Matthew? Well, I sent him to hide in the root cellar. Yeah, well, br- bring him to me. Big Daddy, they're coming. I'm still the master of this plantation. He's my only grandson. Bring him to me now. That woman's a fool. There's something we can agree on, Hannah. Get me my lockbox. Look at you, squirming on that bed like a bug on a pin. My, how the mighty have fallen. It's important. You're a crazy old man. Mr. Lincoln's troops at your door and you're worried about some old box? What's in it? Money? It's not that, it's... Something for Matthew. That little boy has never done you any harm. No, I suppose he hasn't. Don't figure I could say the same for you. I suppose not, but my time's about up. What matters now is the boy, the future. The box, please. Here you go, then. God help me. You can go now. The soldiers will treat you kindly enough. Goodbye, Mr. Delapore. I hope the Lord will forgive you and your family for the terrible things you've done. I truly do. I smell smoke. Go go, go on now. Goodbye, Miss Lizzie. Hannah, what are you... Let her go, Lizzie. Is that young Matthew? Bring him here. We don't have much time. Yes, sir. You go to your granddaddy, Matthew. Matthew, you come here now. Closer. Now listen. Uh, What I'm going to tell you is important. I want you to remember every word, understand? Yes, sir. You see what I have here? Your lockbox? That's right. And see inside here is an envelope. You know what that is? It holds letters. So it does. Now, you're a clever little boy. How old are you now? Seven and a half, sir. Well, this here envelope holds very important papers. It was given to me by my father, and it was given to him by his father before him. I should give it to your father, but he's gone to Richmond. Yes, sir. To shoot at Yankees. That's right. He's shooting at them Yankees, and these here Yankees are shooting at us. Big Daddy, we have to go. Matthew, the papers in here tell certain things about the past of our family. They're secrets, meant for your father. They're not for little boys, even clever ones. Secrets like about Cousin Randolph? Matthew! What do you know about your Cousin Randolph? That he went among the Negroes to become a voodoo priest. He said that to you? I I heard him tell Mama. Lizzie, is this true? Big Daddy, the soldiers are here. We can't stay any longer. I had the men hitch the wagon. I'm not leaving Carfax, Lizzie. Matthew, the Delapores are a proud and noble family. Don't you talk about your cousin to anyone. This envelope is sealed. You see? I'm going to trust that you keep it sealed and give it to your father for me. Do you understand? I will, sir. Someday your father will give it back to you. And then you will read it yourself. Alfred, what a tale. Did your father ever see what was in the envelope? No, it was burned with the plantation. No. Ten hot. Captain Hill, yes, sir. At ease, lieutenants. We just got word from Wing Command. There'll be a briefing at 0900 hours. Appears the Hun may be making a move with their planes. Our squadron will need to be ready with ours. We'll be there, sir. Just what are you two gabbing about? He's telling me stories from America, sir. 
burning plantations, family secrets. <laughs> it's, it's great stuff. <laughs> America, carry on. You heard him. Carry on. My dad eventually made it through the lines to Richmond and was reunited with my grandpa, but great-granddad was killed that day at Carfax. I wonder what he'd think of me now, fighting another war. And a yank in the bargain. <laughs> you what? By <laughs> <laughs> God, Norris, that's right. Well, with the old homestead destroyed, the family did move north, where my grandmother was from. That's when we finally lost our real link with the old De La Poor line. I never imagined I'd pick it up back again here in England. And I never imagined I'd meet an American with a tie to Exxon Priory. And flying in my own squadron, no less. I'm gonna write a letter to my father. He's gonna love hearing about the old family seat. I mean, come on, a ruined castle complete with all the old legends you've told me about? He'll think it a gas! Yeah, they're right ripping some of them. Uh, although the people up the valley take them pretty serious. Dad's always told me that we Delapores fled from England under a cloud of suspicion, but if he knew anything about the murders committed by... What did you say his name was? Walter Delapore. 11th Baron Exum. Yes. If he knew about them, he never mentioned it. And you say no one's lived in Exum Priory since my family left it? Not since the 17th century. I must take you there. It's a fascinating old ruin. It's quite picturesque. The locals avoid it, but my uncle gets requests from architects and that lot to do studies on it because it has these gothic towers resting on a Saxon or Romanesque substructure, they say. And the foundation, in turn, is of a still earlier order. Roman and even Druidic or native Kimric, if legends speak true. Built right into the side of the limestone cliff. Amazing. And it's your uncle who owns it now. It's part of his estates, but it's not much use to him. I'm sure he'd be glad to hand it back to the De La Pours. <laughs> oh, for uh, a reasonable sum, of course. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh, wouldn't that be great? Oh, my dad would love that. I mean, he's got the money. Since Mother died, he's not too attached to Massachusetts. I'll put that in my letter, too. Look alive, chaps. Jerry is on the move. The commander wants us on the double. We're to fly at dawn! All right. Uh, come on, Norse. Oh, this Beastly war. Good luck, Delapore. My best to your father when you're right. Thanks so much, Norris. You keep your nose up. I'll see you on the other side. Sir William. Captain Norris, I say. Right this way. Good to see you again, sir. Welcome aboard. Mind the gap. Ah, uh, yes, yes, thank you. Porter, see to it that Sir William Brinton's bags are on the private car headed to Anchester. Right you are, Gav. Thank you so very much for coming. Oh, thank you for the invitation. It will be a pleasure to see Exum Priory again. Such a curious place. I think you'll find the changes remarkable. Mr. Delapore has poured his heart and soul into the restoration, and his considerable fortune. Mm, so I have gathered. <laughs> Typical. Typical, sir? Americans. Always overdoing it. Oh, forgive me, Sir William. No, it's not what you think. It's all to do with his son. His son? Yes, Lieutenant Alfred Delapore. Wonderful fella. I flew with him in the war, you know. Oh, bullet. (laughs) Yeah, Alfred was shot down over the Somme. He was frightfully maimed. Richthofen. The Red Baron, I say. The nearest field hospital was at St. Alois, where he got some dodgy treatment. Alfred lived for two years as an invalid. His father did all he could, of course. He was devoted. I tried to be of some assistance, but... Yes, no, of course. After Alfred's death, Mr. Delapore was utterly adrift, and he'd so enjoyed Alfred's and my letters about the Priory and the old family legends, and he bought the place. 
Truth be told, my uncle practically gave it away. <laughs> I see. With Alfred gone, you see, Mr. Delapore is now the last of his line. I think he restored the Priory as sort of a monument to his son, recreating the past and mourning for a future that is now lost, keeping the memory of his son alive in a way, doing for the building what he couldn't do for his boy. Oh, let's to the salon car. I had no idea. I wonder. What, Sir William? Was that entirely wise? Ah, well, as I mentioned in my telegrams, there have been some unexpected discoveries, some complications, and, and well, now, here we all are. We all? Yeah, you're the last to arrive. The others are waiting for us in the salon. It's just in here. Come, I'll introduce you. Gentlemen and madam, Sir William made it in the nick of time. An old family friend, distinguished professor of archaeology at Cambridge, and fresh from the dusty fields of Anatolia. Oh, you're too kind. <laughs> Hello, Brinton. Good to see you again. How did you find the Troad? With difficulty, Leeds. <laughs> <laughs> professor Leeds is... Yes, Leeds and I know each other well. The professor is quite the authority on Anglo-Saxon archaeology here in Britain. He spearheaded the excavation of Sutton Courtney, a Cambridge man. Modern college, yes. May I present Dr. Gilbert Trask, King's College, London. How do you do, Sir William? It's an honour to meet you. Mm, what's your field, Dr. Trask? Physical anthropology. Ah, the study of human remains. <laughs> An interesting speciality. What do you make of this Piltdown Man business? It would certainly be exciting if it proves to be genuine, but many of my colleagues have their doubts. I'm sorry. Piltdown Man? And this is Mr. Neville Thornton. Hello. Who is this Piltdown Man? Oh, it's a fossilised anthropoid specimen discovered about ten years ago, 50 miles south of London, which purports to show human evolution. Some have called it the missing link. <laughs> ah, and you think it's a fraud? Well, I'm convinced that mankind evolved, but not that it happened in East Sussex. <laughs> <laughs> You're too circumspect to say it's a fake, but that's what you think. Every field has its fraudsters. It makes difficulties for those of us doing legitimate work. And what work do you do, Mr. Thornton? Mr. Thornton is a highly esteemed psychic investigator. His references are impeccable. I see. Good to meet you, young man. And here we have Mrs. Mary Mulvaney. She teaches the history of ancient Britain, Trinity College, Dublin. Charmed. I've followed your work, Sir William, an honour to make your acquaintance. Mrs. Mulvaney has published a fascinating monograph connecting the mysterious fate of the Roman Ninth Legion to the origins of the creature Grendel in Beowulf. That's the legion that vanished into Scotland? Ah, that's a fine question. Don't you believe everything you hear? She's quite an expert on ancient Latin inscriptions. Well, I must say, it's a motley crew you've assembled here, Norris. <laughs> yes, thank you all so much. Mr. Delapore is hoping that your diverse expertise will help him resolve the, the current situation at the Priory. And where is our host? Mr. Delapore's at Exxon Priory making preparations for your arrival. He's arranged for the motor cars to take us from the station to the house, and he looks forward to greeting you all at dinner and giving you the full story. It all sounds a bit like one of those mystery novels by that young woman from Devon. Oh, Mrs. Christie, with her odd little Belgian detective. Uh, I assure you it's nothing so thrilling as that. Uh, we'll arrive at Anchester in less than an hour, and you'll all be able to see Exxon Priory in all its restored glory. Sir William, it'll just be round this bend. Good heavens! <laughs> Quite a change from the old days, eh? 
Mr. Delapore spared no expense. How much of it is new? It certainly has the look of a Jacobean or older. The towers were the only bit standing above ground, Professor Leet, and all the rest of it's been rebuilt as accurately as possible. Mr. Delapore and I did exhaustive research. Extraordinary work, really. I, I know he couldn't have done it without you, Edward. You should be proud. Thank you, sir. It's quite an undertaking. Oh, and here we are. That's Wakefield, the butler. It seems he's got the other sorted already. Gentlemen, welcome to Exxon Priory. Wakefield. Always a pleasure, Captain Norris. You must be tired from your journey. If you gentlemen will allow me, my staff will show you to your rooms where refreshment awaits you. Good show. Thank you. Carlton here will show you your room, Professor Leeds, and Miller will escort you, Sir William. Your baggage will be brought up presently, and Mr. Delapore has requested that you join him for supper in the dining room at eight. If you need anything whatsoever, please let your valet know, and we'll attend to it immediately. Don't mind me, Wakefield. I know my way. Indeed, sir. If you'd follow me, sir. Uh, this way, sir, up the stairs. Marvellous. <laughs> Stonework. Uh, what's that, sir? Oh, the restoration. It's quite amazing. You can see here where the original stonework joins the more recent. Oh, thank you, sir. Magnificent. <laughs> How does it feel, living in a place with such a tremendous history? I'm sure it's quite the honour, sir. Oh, you're not from the local area, then? No, sir. Dunworth, sir. Ah, I see. Uh, your room's just down this corridor, sir. And what about Mr. Delapore? Has he been good to work for? Well, I wouldn't know, sir. He keeps mostly to himself. I suppose it's difficult for an American. And there's no other family, it's just the staff. That's right, sir. The seven of us. And the cats. Cats, you say? Yes, sir. Mr. Delapore has nine of them. Oh, my. Nine cats. <laughs> and Captain Norris... Uh, He's been like a son to Mr. Delaporte these several months. Of course. Now, here we are, sir. Oh, this is quite splendid. Hmm, what lovely Alice. They help keep the chill out, sir. Uh, the WC is just through that door. Uh, will there be anything else, sir? No, I can manage for myself. Thank you. Miller, isn't it? A kind of you to remember, sir. Dinner is at hand. <laughs> One to change the bulb, and the rest to realign the stones. <laughs> Mrs Mulvaney, gentlemen, may I present your host, Mr Matthew Delapore. <laughs> That's all right, Wakefield. I, I'm not much for ceremony. Uh, my friends, thank you so much for coming to my home. I'm sorry if I kept you waiting. I, I hope you found your rooms agreeable. Ah, oh, splendid. Really, the restoration work is quite extraordinary. My congratulations. I thought the same thing. It's like stepping back in time. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. High praise from an historian. I'll admit, there are a few cheats. You'll, you'll see above you, those flickering candles are really electric lights. Oh, <laughs> oh but, but please, please be seated. Let us begin our meal, and I'll explain why I've brought you all here. Uh, uh, Mrs. Mulvaney, uh, please, here at my right. Uh, let's see, Mr. Thornton, you'll be here uh, next to Professor Leeds, and uh, Sir William, you're just opposite. <laughs> That's right. All right, uh, Wakefield, what's cooking? Our soup this evening is a consomme olga paired with a dry Madeira. Madam? Oh, yes. Mm, thank you. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, now then, uh, to what brings us here? 
I moved into Exum Priory on the 16th of July, after a restoration that took over two years. It would have been difficult under the best of circumstances, but on top of that, the foreman couldn't hire a worker who'd been born within 50 miles of the place. Laborers, materials, everything had to be brought in. This was because of the superstitions and legends? Exactly. This is a table full of educated people, but for the locals, having a Delapore restoring the Priory, well... <laughs> You might as well tell the Transylvanian villagers that Dracula was back and rebuilding the castle. <laughs> I couldn't have done it at all without Edward's help. The locals wouldn't even talk to me until he convinced them how little I knew of my heritage, and, and then I think they held my ignorance against me. They viewed Exum Priory as nothing less than a haunt of fiends and werewolves. Fiends and werewolves. I'm sorry, Mr. Delapore, but what would make them think that? And what happened here? The Priory represents only the most recent building at this location. Uh, this site has been occupied for... Uh, uh, well, well, you tell us, Sir William. You're one of the experts. <laughs> the Priory stands on the site of a prehistoric temple. A druidical or anti-druidical thing, which must have been contemporary with Stonehenge. Indescribable rites were celebrated here, and there are unpleasant tales of the transference of these rites into the Sibylle worship which the Romans introduced. I'm sorry, what's that? Oh, Sibylle's the original Earth Mother figure, worshipped even before the days of classical Greece. Worshipped here? You mean here? Has anyone done a proper excavation? It could be an important site, archaeologically. Actually, this isn't my first visit to Exum. I participated in a survey here many years ago. In the sub-cellar, we saw inscriptions referring to the Magna Mater, whose dark worship was once vainly forbidden to Roman citizens. I assume they're still there. <laughs> you bet they are. Anchester had been the camp of the Third Augustan Legion. There's plenty of evidence for that. And it was said that the Temple of Sibylle was splendid and thronged with worshippers who performed nameless ceremonies at the bidding of the Phrygian priest. Phrygian? That's where Turkey in Asia is now. South of Bithynia. West of Cappadocia. Just think of the Trojan War. Thank you. It's also said that the fall of the old religion did not end the orgies at the temple, but that the priests carried on in the new faith without real change. I'm sorry. Orgies? Oh, I don't mean to shock you, Mr. Thornton, but there are episodes in the Anglo-Saxon Chronicles which suggest these rites did not vanish with the Romans. Certain among the Saxons added to what remained of the temple and gave it the essential outline it subsequently preserved, making it the centre of a cult feared through half the Heptarchy. About 1000 AD, the place is mentioned in a chronicle as being a substantial stone priory, housing a strange and powerful monastic order, and surrounded by extensive gardens which needed no walls to protect them. No, people would have feared the place. It was never destroyed by the Danes, though after the Norman conquest it must have declined tremendously, since there was no impediment when Henry III granted the site to Gilbert de la Poire, first Baron Exum in 1261. <laughs> My great-great-great-whatever he was. My direct ancestor. Now, of course, back then it was pronounced uh, de la Poire. Uh, we changed it after we came to America. Ah, <laughs> Wakefield. Begging your pardon, sir. The fish course tonight is a poached salmon with mousseline sauce and cucumbers. The wine is a Moselle from Riesling. A Moselle? Splendid. 
<laughs> well, that's all very interesting. But is that what has the local populace so terrified now? It does seem rather a long time ago. Yes, one presumes there are legends about the family as well as the location. Oh, Dr. Trask, a great many. Uh, but neither my parents nor I knew much about the family history. It was my son Alfred who first learned about all of it from young Captain Norris here during the war. It was they who told me. The Norris family have been near the Saxon Priory for centuries, so I'd heard quite a few of the tales. One chronicle gives a reference to Adela Poor as Cursed of God in 1307. Why is that? Most accounts are, are vague fireside tales of a grisly and ghastly sort. Such as? Local lore held the Della Poor line as a race of hereditary demons, blamed for the disappearance of villagers over generations. I think some of the locals around here still believe it. <laughs> <laughs> the worst characters, apparently, were the barons and their direct heirs. There seemed to be an inner cult in the family, presided over by the head of the house and sometimes closed except to a few members. Temperament rather than ancestry was evidently the basis of this cult, for it was entered by several who married into the family. Lady Margaret Trevor from Cornwall, wife of Godfrey, the second son of the fifth baron, became a favourite bane of children all over the countryside. Yes, she, she was the heroine of this horrible old ballad. It came from Wales or somewhere, didn't it, Edward? Oh, I know it. At yon cliffside those wee bairns died and knew their mothers never. That knew the house of the warlock's spouse, the witch, old Maggie Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Oh, there's another ballad, the hideous tale of Lady Mary de la Poor, who, shortly after her marriage to the Earl of Shrewsfield, was killed by him and his mother, both of the slayers being absolved and blessed by the priest to whom they confessed what they dare not repeat to the world. Good Lord, de la Poor. One can see why the peasantry harboured trepidations about your family. The ballads fueled this folklore about the Priory and its inhabitants. Uh, the legends weren't just about the family, they were about the land too. They, they were intertwined. How so? <laughs> of course, there were tales of whales and howlings in the barren windswept valley beneath the limestone cliff of the graveyard stenches after the spring rains, of the floundering, squealing white thing on which Sir John Clave's horse had trod one night in a lonely field. And of the servant who had gone mad at the sight of what he saw in the priory in the full light of day. A whole lot of ridiculous spooky tales. I never took any of it seriously, of course. No? Accounts of vanished peasants wouldn't seem especially significant in view of medieval custom. Prying curiosity meant death. More than one severed head had been publicly shown on the bastions of the Priory just outside. Alfred was always amused by one exceedingly picturesque tale of a legion of bat-winged devils that were said to keep witches' Sabbath each night at the Priory. A legion whose sustenance might explain the abundance of coarse vegetables harvested in the vast gardens. Yes, but his favourite was the tale of the rats. A scampering army of them which burst forth from the castle three months after my family fled. A monstrous rodent army which devoured all before it. Fowl, cats, dogs, horses, sheep, and even two hapless human beings. Good lord. Around that unforgettable rodent army, a whole separate cycle of myths revolves, for it scattered among the village homes and brought curses and horrors in its train. So you can see what I was up against as I pushed to complete the restoration of my ancestral home. It was a constant impediment to the work, but uh, not to me personally. Quite to the contrary. You did an extraordinary job of marshalling the workers and the antiquarians who advised you through the entire process. You're too kind, my lad. 
When the task was finally done, I viewed these great rooms, vaulted ceilings, mullioned windows, and broad staircases with a sense of satisfaction, which made it all worthwhile. I must say, every attribute of the Middle Ages has been ingeniously reproduced. And the new parts blend perfectly with the original walls and foundations. It's a remarkable achievement. Your son is... would be quite proud. Yes, well... You're you're very kind. While it's been medievally refitted, we made sure the place is free from old vermin and old ghosts alike. (laughs) I decided I would reside here permanently. I even changed my name to the original spelling to prove that a de la poa need not be a fiend. Ah, the trusty Wakefield returns. If I might interrupt, sir... The entree. Ah. Filet mignon lily and vegetable marrow farcy with the Bordeaux claret 1914. Madam? Good on you, Mr. Wakefield. It looks wonderful. Compliments to the kitchen. Yes, sir. Uh, Mr. Delaporte, it's an astonishing tale, and yet it seems it's not finished. Captain Norris mentioned a discovery, a complication. Clearly something... Of note, must have led you to invite us all here. Archaeologists, historians, anthropologists, a psychic researcher. (laughs) Sir William, Edward told me you'd see through to the heart of things. Well, there is more I have to tell you, but it might seem a little strange. Shall I continue? Please, please. So, as I said before, I moved in on July 16th. It was just me and my cats. You must like cats, Mrs. Mulvaney, don't you? I do. Cats are cryptic and close to strange things that men cannot see. Indeed. I'm very fond of cats. My eldest, uh, Pluto, is seven years old and came with me from my home back in America, in Bolton, Massachusetts. I'm sure you'll see him about. He's a he's a black cat, but don't let that scare you. He's he's always been good luck to me. Oh, I'm sure. The others I accumulated whilst uh, living with Captain Norris's family during the restoration. <laughs> he's like a magnet for him. Anyway, for five days I spent time poring over some very old family data. I had obtained an account of the final tragedy and flight of Walter de la Poer, one of the greatest of the family secrets. Did they confirm your fears? Uh, worse, I suppose. My ancestor was accused, with much reason, it seems, of having killed all the other members of his household, except four servants. Killed them in their sleep. Uh, This happened about two weeks after he'd made a discovery of some kind which changed his whole demeanor. Apparently, he disclosed the discovery to no one save the servants who assisted him and then fled. I say, go on. This deliberate slaughter, which included a father, three brothers, and two sisters was largely condoned by villagers, and the law apparently allowed de la Porra to escape honored, unharmed, and undisguised to Virginia. Outrageous. But why? The general whispered sentiment seemed to be that he had purged the land of an ancient curse. What was this discovery that set him off? I have no idea. Walter de la Porra must have already known the sinister tales about his family. He was described as a shy, gentle youth in England. People who knew him in Virginia described him as troubled and apprehensive. Curious. But that's... On July 22nd occurred an incident which which I simply dismissed at the time. It, it was so simple as to be almost negligible. I, I mean, it, I was in a building, practically fresh and new. Out with it, ma'am. My old black cat, whose moods I know so well, was out of sorts, alert and anxious. 
He roved from room to room, restless and disturbed, and sniffed constantly about the walls in the old Gothic section. I'm sorry, that was the... Uh, No, I realize how trite it sounds, like the inevitable dog in the ghost story which always growls before his master sees the sheeted figure. I, I didn't even really notice it myself at the time. It was only later, after other incidents, that it seemed significant. Other incidents? The next day, Wakefield came to me in my study and told me that all the cats in the household were behaving very strangely. I I told him there must be some singular odor from the old stonework, imperceptible to us, but which the cats could detect. Cats can be preternaturally perceptive. Seems more likely that there were mice or rats. We didn't think so. There were field mice in the countryside, but they've never strayed into the high walls of the Norris Manor. And don't forget, there'd been no rats in the Priory for 300 years. In the end, I dismissed the whole thing. That night, I retired to my chamber in the West Tower. This room is circular, very high, and hung with arras I had chosen myself in London. Seeing that Pluto was with me, I shut the door and sank into bed with my furry friend in his standard place across my feet. I must have fallen asleep, for I recall waking from a strange dream when the cat started violently. I saw him, head strained forward, forefeet on my ankles, and hind feet stretched behind. He was looking intensely at a point on the wall somewhat west of the window. And as I watched, I knew that Pluto was not vainly excited. Now, whether the arras actually moved, I I cannot say. I, I think it did, very slightly. But what I can swear to is that behind it, I heard a low, distinct scurrying, as of rats or mice. Suddenly, the cat had jumped on the tapestry, bringing the whole section to the floor, exposing a damp, ancient wall of stone, patched here and there by the restorers, and devoid of any trace of rats. Now, Pluto raced up and down the floor in this part of the wall, clawing at the fallen arras, trying at times to insert a paw between the wall and the oaken floor. He found nothing. After a time returned to his place across my feet. I had not moved, but I did not sleep again that night. I should think not. Go on. In the morning, I questioned all the staff and found that uh, the cook remembered the actions of a cat which had rested on her windowsill. What did this cat do? Howled at some unknown hour of the night, awaking the cook in time for her to see him dart purposefully out of the open door and down the stairs. Mr. Delapore paid a call on me in the afternoon, and he told me about the strange behavior of the cats. I became exceedingly interested. The odd incidents appealed to my sense of the picturesque, and we reminisced about the local ghostly lore. Mm, I see. No, we recognized how silly it was, and I gave him some traps and Paris green to use on the presumption that it really was mice. I had Wakefield put them in strategic locations. Now, that night I retired early, being very sleepy, and was harassed by dreams of the most horrible sort. Dreams? What were they? What does it matter? You'd be surprised how important dreams can be. Please continue. Um, I I, I seem to be looking down from an immense height upon a twilight grotto, knee-deep with filth, where a monstrous white-bearded swineherd drove about with his staff a a flock of fungus, flabby beasts. They They were dreadful. Then he paused, and a a mighty swarm of rats rained down on the stinking abyss and fell to devouring beasts and man alike. From this terrific vision, I was abruptly awakened. On every side of the chamber, the walls were alive with nauseous sounds, 
the slithering of ravenous, gigantic rats. I switched on the light and saw a hideous shaking all over the tapestry. Great Scott. Springing out of bed, I, I poked at the arras with a long handle of a warming pan and lifted one section to see what lay beneath. There was nothing but the patched stone wall. Even the cat had lost his sense of anything abnormal. I examined the circular trap and found all the openings sprung. They were all empty. Curiouser and curiouser. Further sleep was out of the question, so I lit a candle, opened the door, and went out to the stairs. Before we had reached the stone steps, however, the cat darted ahead of me and vanished down the ancient flight. As I descended the stairs, I became aware of unmistakable sounds in the great room below. The oak-paneled walls were alive with rats. Uh, Pluto raced about with the fury of a baffled hunter. Reaching the bottom, I switched on the light, but the noise didn't stop. The rats continued their riot, stampeding with such force and distinctness that I could finally tell which way they were moving. These creatures were migrating from inconceivable heights to some depth conceivably or, or inconceivably below. <clears throat> oh, oh, Wakefield, oh, your timing is perfect, as always. The kitchen is pleased to offer a lamb with many uh, yeah, 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 yes, roasted but, and well, prepared. But I was just telling them about the night of the rats. Uh, Wakefield was there. Uh, tell them what you saw, Wakefield. Sir, I wouldn't presume... Oh, it's all right. I have no secrets from my guests in this matter. Uh, now tell them what you heard. Well, all the cats of the household had been thrown into some kind of uh, snarling panic. Mr. Miller and I had followed them down the stairs where we met you, sir. Where did they go? The cats all converged in front of the closed door of the sub-cellar, Mr. Thornton. They made quite a racket with their yowling. They were most... Insistent. Did you hear the rats, Wakefield? I'm sorry, sir, but no, I didn't. That noise had ceased as mysteriously as it began. The three of us went down to the subcellar dorm, but by then the cats themselves had begun to disperse. But, but we checked all the traps, didn't we, Wakefield? Indeed we did, sir. They had all been sprung, but all were empty. There was no trace of whatever had so vexed the cats. Did you check the subcellar? Not at that time. By God, let's go look at it now. I beg your pardon? Yes, Wakefield, my guests should see the subcellar for themselves. Uh, you, you all don't mind, do you? <laughs> After that story, I don't know that I have much appetite left. But, sir... Wakefield, we'll skip the lamb and the rest of it and take our coffee and uh, whatnot down there. That's the place to continue this story. As you wish, sir. Come on, everyone. Follow me. Ah, yes, here they are. The inscriptions, just as I remember them. See here, Leeds. P. Gete, prop temp, dona el prec us pontifi atis. Sorry, my Latin's rustier than I thought. Well, they are partly effaced. The markings denoted as a sacred location, pontifex meaning priest, and Attis being the male consort of Sibylle. That's the mother goddess you mentioned? Oh, spot on, Mr. Thornton. Catullus tells us that Attis was worshipped with some rather gruesome rites. Oh, like what? Well, perhaps it will suffice to mention that his priests were all eunuchs. But how did... Oh. Oh. Ah, Catullus... De sine de quoquam quiquam bene vele mereri. Cheers. So this vault is Roman. Every arch and pillar of it. It's the severe and harmonious classicism of the age of the Caesars. You Brits may be used to such things, but 
I still feel a thrill when I think of it. I mean, uh, see these altars here. Imagine what went on in this very chamber. Leeds, look here. See this pattern, a sort of rayed sun? To me, it implies a non-Roman origin. Meaning what, exactly? These altars were merely adopted by the Roman priests from some older and perhaps aboriginal temple on the same site. This one has some rather curious brown stains. Is, Is that blood? Almost certainly. And see here, these features on the upper surface indicate its connection with fire, probably burnt offerings. Speaking of which, here's Wakefield with coffee and cigars. Oh, I say. Just uh, set the tray over there, please, Wakefield. Very good, sir. I've brought a decanter of brandy as well. I'll take one of those. My nerves could use it. Ooh, make mine a tall one. Very good, madam. So, uh, the cats had howled up at the top of these stairs. I called on Captain Norris the very next day, and we both poked around down here, but we didn't see any traces of rats. But I was determined to pass the night down here and see if it happened again. And I, for one, was not going to have him do it alone. Good on you. You are fortunate to be immune to psychic emanations. <laughs> Perhaps so. Couches were brought down by the servants, and I brought Pluto along as, as much for help as companionship. We decided to keep the great oak door closed, and we retired with lanterns to await whatever might occur. I was certain this vault had been the goal of the scuffling and unexplainable rats. But why? We're very deep in the Priory's foundations, well down towards the cliff that abuts the valley. We we kept vigil for... Well, Edward, you should tell this part of the story. I'm embarrassed to say I was more than a little drowsy. You tell us then, Captain. Oh, well... Yeah, I was just here, and Mr. Delapore was lying on the couch just over there. What's that? (laughs) Oh, Pluto, the old man's just nodded off again. (laughs) Just you and me now, Sonny. The setting had me on edge, and I watched with some fascination as my friend here appeared wrecked by potent dreams. Easy there. Oh, no. It's hideous. Matthew. Matthew, wake up. You're dreaming. What? It's only a dream. (laughs) You were quite a sight. You scared Pluto here after death. Dream? (laughs) Oh, yes. Sorry. It's just it was so... Well, go on. It was that same twilight grotto and the swineherd with those fungus beasts wallowing in filth. They they were nearer and more distinct. (laughs) Well, you're all right now. Here, sir, have a nip of my flask. Oh, thank you. Think nothing of it. Go back to sleep. Pluto and I will work here if anything real happens. Yes. Yes. Come here, you. (laughs) What's a nice cat like you doing with a crazy old lout like him, eh? (laughs) It was less than an hour later when the phenomenon began. Matthew! Matthew, wake up, damn it! Huh? What? Shh, listen, man. The cat's upstairs. Something's got their blood on Look at Pluto. Scurrying around. He hears them. It's them. They're on the move again. The cats? The rats. What do you mean? Don't you hear them? Listen. I just hear the cats, Matthew. But no, they're... They're there. Right, right there, like they're inside the stone. See? Look, Pluto hears them. He's on the prowl. What do you think I'm imagining it? Sweating. Here, take another nip of the... No! I hear them. Scurrying, moving. This way. 
They're going down. I don't really... Oh, no, of course you don't. I'm not having you on. All I hear is the cats upstairs. My God, what's going on here? I mean, you believe me, right? That I heard them scurrying downward into the cliff? The cats have stopped. Do you believe me? I, I, I don't know, Matthew. I didn't hear anything, but you seem to have. You know, Something's upset those cats. I, I don't know what to think. Look, look at Pluto. He's clawing at the base of the altar there. So he is. What do you smell, boy? What is it, Pluto? Oh, oh, I know that look. He senses something. Here, take the lantern. Hold it close, where the altar meets the floor. It's covered with... Is that lichen? Yeah, I've got a jackknife. I can scrape it away. No. No, nothing. Look. What? The flame of the lantern. It's flickering. There's a draft of air coming up from below. Coming up from near where you were scraping. Good God, man, there's something down there. You're right. You know, perhaps there's no need for us to remain. A capital idea. Come on, Pluto. Let's upstairs. So, now you know our discovery and our complication. A vault deeper than the deepest of the Roman ruins. A vault unnoticed by curious scholars. A vault kept secret by a family known for strange murders. It thrilled and terrified us. And we faced a decision. Should we exercise caution and abandon the search and simply leave well enough alone? Or should we gratify our own sense of adventure and brave whatever horrors might await us in the unknown depths? By morning, we had compromised and decided to recruit a group of investigators fit to cope with the mystery. And that, at long last, is why you are here. I don't know what awaits us down there, and of course, if any of you wishes not to continue, I won't blame you a bit. But each of you possesses an expertise that may prove critical in further exploration. I hope you'll join me. I'll admit I had my doubts, Delapore, but I'm quite intrigued. There are undoubtedly powerful forces at work. I, for one, admire your pluck, Delapore. But beyond the uncanny, this may prove quite an important find. I should say so. Count me in. You've demonstrated admirable prudence and caution in inviting us here. I'd say if Exum Priory has secrets to yield, this team shall uncover them. Thank you. Thank you all. Uh, then for tonight, uh, let us retire. Wakefield, uh, thank you and the staff for a wonderful meal. I suspect our visitors' beds are turned down and ready? Indeed they are, sir. I propose a toast to our host, and the captain, and to the extraordinary discoveries that lie ahead. Yeah. Thank you for the escort. Well, with a horde of phantom rats on the loose, we couldn't let you wander these halls alone. <laughs> oh, I don't think there's anything left to fear on that score. No? No. You see, certain psychic manifestations have been trying to draw Mr. Delapore's attention. And now that these ethereal forces have shown him what they wanted him to see, they will no longer manifest themselves corporeally. Oh, of course. And they wanted him to see... They brought him to the altar in the subcellar. Cats, you know, are highly susceptible to psychic vibrations. Are they? Oh, yes. So are parakeets. Tomorrow should be a very exciting day. Well, Thornton, I'm sure you're right about that. Good night to you both. Parakeets. Who is it? Miller, uh, the valet, sir. 
Have you been eating anything else this evening? Ah, Miller. You were there with Wakefield, weren't you? On the night of the cats, a week or two ago, if I understand it correctly, you and Wakefield met Mr. Delapore on the stairs? The cats were, uh... In an uproar. Yes, sir. Mm. Did that kind of thing happen often? No, sir. I mean, now and again we'd see Pluto and another one poking about here and there from time to time, but that particular evening was a bit unusual, sir, I must say. Did you hear anything other than the cats? Um, uh, well, no, sir. They were making quite a commotion, but otherwise it was just us talking, sir. Hmm. And do you find Mr. Delaporte to be a sober gentleman? Mr. Delaporte has been... Very kind to all of us, Sir William. Mm, yes, of course. He seems a splendid chap. Ah, well, Professor Leeds, is there anything I can do for you before you retire? I would be grateful for a fresh carafe of water, if it's not too much trouble. I'll see to it at once. If there's nothing else, Sir William? No, thank you, Miller. Well, Brenton... What think you? Our host spun quite a ghost story. M.R. James couldn't do better. Yes, but... Well, it would seem it's not yet reached its grand finale. And before it does, we'll all be in it. I hope you can get some sleep, sir. Me too, Alfred. If I could just avoid another of those damn dreams. I'm Edward, sir. What? Of of course you are. Uh, What did I say? Never mind, sir. You did well tonight. Try to rest. Tomorrow's a big day. Shall I turn off your phonograph? Oh, it's the wireless, actually. Shortwave. Uh, This signal's coming all the way from New England. (laughs) I miss the old U.S. What was that? Turn that up. In the early hours of last evening, after a day which had brought renewed hope of recovery, death came suddenly and struck down Warren with a stroke of cerebral apoplexy. The American people from coast to coast and in the territories beyond the sea bowed their heads in grief for their president was dead. My God. The president? What a shock. I'm so sorry, Matthew. It's an omen. Oh, sir, you mustn't. Yes, we're poised on the brink of frightful revelations. Secrets that have eluded me since childhood. I feel very... You have help, Matthew. You've assembled a wonderful team. You did that. Thank you, my boy. Now, go get some sleep. We have a date with destiny. Yes, sir. Good night. There you are, Sir William. Oh, you look well prepared. Here, let me take one of the searchlights. Oh, they're heavy. Batteries. This is just a preliminary survey expedition, but it's vital that we have good illumination if we're going to find what's under that altar. Everyone ready? Yes, Yes, indeed. Now, Wakefield, don't you lock that door. No, sir. We'll be standing by. Lead the way, Pluto. Captain Norris, would you be so good as to set your light there? A bit to the right. Yes, right there. I'll do my best to map out the room and document the positions of the various altars. I'll need to establish a datum point. I'll take advantage of this light to get some rubbings of these inscriptions. I can correlate them with the others I have back at Trinity. 
Not much for an anthropologist to do at the moment. What about you, Thornton? Picking up any of your psychic residuum? No, I'd say the spirits seem very much at peace here. Though there is something I can't quite put my finger on. Extraordinary to think of the kinds of things that must have taken place here. Perhaps I'll try to get some samples of those blood stains. Chemical analysis might yield something of interest. I think I'll follow the cat. When I tell you, Norris, push. Delapore, have that pry bar ready. I feel it yielding. And push! It's moving. Slide it in. Good. And on three, we lift up. One, two, three! By George, you've done it! The altar was balanced with some kind of counterweight. Well done, Sir William. I thought it might be. I've seen such traps before. Uh, Professor Leeds, would you make note? Passage opening square in shape, a bit less than a meter on each side. Fiendishly cunning mechanism, that. I can't see. Are those steps going down? Norris, bring that torch closer. Let's see what we've got here. <gasps> Dr. Trask, we need you. What is it? Remains? Are they human? Dear God, so many. Step aside, let me have a look. Oh, what do you make of them, Trask? Uh, Anthropoid skeletons as far down the steps as I can see. Maybe 40 individuals, perhaps more. Many articulated skeletons in attitudes of fear or panic. What are those marks? See, there on the skull, and there. My God, they're all over. The surfaces are highly lacerated. What's that? Feeding traces. They've been gnawed. Judging from the size, probably by rats. The heads. They're not right. Well, surely that's just one. No. Look at the superorbital torus. The prognathic jaws. Some kind of biologic idiocy or cretinism. Are they even fully human? Look at that one. I'd have to study them at length in a proper laboratory. Some are certainly ape-like. Like that Piltdown man you mentioned. Except this is no fraud. My God. Leeds, please note that the center of the stone step shows extensive wearing. It's nearly just a ramp there in the middle. Noted. Did you notice the air? What of it? There was no gush, as of a sealed passage being opened. Just a cool, fresh breeze coming up. He's right. So where's it coming from? And please note, the passage isn't built of masonry, but appears to be hewn from solid rock. Brenton. Those tool marks. Yes, I know. They're going the wrong way. Yes. This passageway was dug up from below. But that would mean... Look out! Ludo! I see your cat's not afraid to lead the way. Shall we? Mind your step, Mrs. Mulvaney. Oh, don't worry about me, young man. Do try not to crush the evidence, if you can. It's a good thing Sir William was prepared with these torches, eh? We couldn't be in better hands. All these skeletons, Sir William, what do you think they were going to? I fear the salient question may be, what were they trying to get away from? Hmm. Looks like there's some kind of light up ahead. Some kind of phosphorescent organisms? No, I think it's sunlight. How could that be? Priory is built into the side of the cliff. Leeds, Captain Norris, turn off your torches. Better to let our eyes adjust. My God, there is a bit of light. It must be filtering in through fissures undetectable from the outside. To think I've lived.
lived in this valley all my life and never noticed. Look, everyone, up ahead. We're entering a cavern. My God. Oh, my. my. <sighs> Mr. Thornton. Mr. Thornton. Oh, he's fainted. Steady on. Let's lay him down here. What on God's green earth? These. It's all bones. It's like a sea of them. Insanely tangled everywhere as far as the eye can see. The Twilight Grotto. Look out there, Brinton. Too regular for stalagmites. Are those some kind of buildings? I was thinking the same thing. A megalithic construction of sorts. Like... Stonehenge or something. Yes. Some Roman ruins there. And that. A Saxon pile. And that. It looks a bit like an early English structure. Well, I don't know about that. <sighs> oh, Mr. Thornton. Are you all right? Yes. Thank you. It's... Well, the psychic residue here is so pungent. What? I fear it rather overwhelmed me. I'm sensitive to such things. I'll be all right. That's a relief. We're here. This is the grotto I dreamed of with the demon swineherd and his flock. Look, this discovery clearly exceeds what any of us were expecting. It could take us years to discover just what this place is and just what happened here. I suggest we conduct a cursory reconnaissance of the site. We break into three groups. Mrs. Mulvaney and Dr. Trask, if you'll look at those structures to the right. Mr. Thornton, Mr. Delaport, and Captain Norris, if you'll examine the area there, just up ahead. May I go with Dr. Trask's group? If you like. Professor Leeds and I will examine the region to the left. Now, despite the ghoulish nature of our surroundings, there doesn't seem to be any imminent threat to us. They're all dead. Quite so. And as such, they're unable to bring us any harm so long as we watch our step. But should you discover anything of urgent concern, do cry out. We should be able to hear each other in this cavern. Each team take an electric torch, just in case. It's half two now. Let us reconvene here at four, all right? Very right. Mrs. Mulvaney, Mr. Thornton, let's see if we can make our way out to that stone structure out there. Dr. Trask, take a look at these two skeletons. Oh, there's a pair for you. Yes. Entwined together in some kind of a final clinch. Perhaps protecting each other. No. It was something more ghastly. Look, down here. Under the human bones. Tiny bones. These are rat skeletons? By the hundreds. Thousands. Oh, do you think all the rat bites were... Posthumous? Madam, I am not even certain that they're all rat bites. The marks on this skull correspond to the teeth of this one. These people appear to have been eating each other. Tis the very antechamber of hell. Aye. Neither Hoffman nor Wiesman could conceive a scene more gothically grotesque. I simply can't fathom what happened here. The deformed bones, the skeletons grappling in some kind of mortal combat, the rats... It's not only what happened, it's when. Was it 
hundreds of years ago? Or a thousand, or two thousand, ten thousand? Oh, now, see here. That's... that's disturbing. What is it? There seem to be two evolutionary paths at work here. Look at the refinements of this skeleton. Large brain, high forehead, the skull is sensitively developed, the lumbar curved, arch feet. Yes? But look at these back here. See, this pelvis is higher and flatter, and the spine is arched, the legs noticeably shorter. These creatures were knuckle walkers. They've evolved, or devolved, into a nearly quadrupedal form. So they're apes of some kind? No, no, the skulls show most of the basic features of Homo sapiens. Although I dare say they were incapable of articulate speech. How can you tell that from the skeleton? Height of the larynx. Despite developed intelligence, this poor devil could do little more than scream. I don't know much about Darwin and all, but if they evolve, doesn't that take time? At least twenty generations. Or more. You mean these things have been here? There he goes again. Ah, for the love of Christ. Come on, Norris. This way. That structure, it's a low Saxon compound. How can you tell? I just know. Oh, great God, look at this! It's like a pen. For livestock. But not any kind we know. The skeletons, see how hunched over? They are the livestock. Oh, can't you almost see them fighting to break free in some kind of delirium of starvation or rat fear? It certainly looks like the lower types were penned up in there. (laughs) Yes, yes. Fattened up on the legendary coarse vegetables. No wonder my ancestors had such excessive gardens above. But what was the purpose of keeping this slave class? (laughs) You haven't guessed. Come on, let's go inside. These bones, Sir William. I've never heard of another site on Earth like it. I mean, if it was a burial, that would be one thing. No, this is quite something else. Alas, poor Yorick. What do you make of this stonework? Looks Roman. Like the vaulting from the subcellar. It's shaped like a temple. Look, Latin inscriptions there at the base of the altar. It's all pristine. To think of the things that must have happened here. And here it remains, in perfect condition. I wish Mrs. Mulvaney were with us. My Latin's not good enough. Let's see. I think it begins here. Dea Sancta Sibylle. Rerum naturae parens, goddess revered, Sibylle, of all nature mother. It's a pretty typical invocation. Humanum sacrifici. Oh, good God. Thank God Mrs. Mulvaney isn't here. What? Right. The sacrifice. A human, yes. Not surprising for a Phrygian. Phrygian, maybe, but human? <laughs> No wonder the Romans outlawed the cult. God knows how long before the Romans or after this kind of thing went on. Surely you're not surprised by... Whatever happened here is quite beyond the pale. It's far worse than the cult of Attis. Things that were eaten. I really should go back and wait for Thornton. A man with his nerves regaining consciousness around this. Uh, Just a moment. Something back here. I can't quite reach it. Shine the torch. Here. 
Oh, it's moved. It's alive. Ah, pull yourself together, man. It's Delapore's cat. Perched there like it's the most natural thing in the world. I'm sorry, I, uh, just... Um, uh, I... I can't quite reach that skull there. If I lift up on this, can you reach under and grab it? One, two, three. Thank you, Pluto. Oh, oh, there he goes. Maybe he really was trying to tell us something. Here you are, Doctor. Heavens, but this one is primitive. Yes, pithecanthropoid. Only slightly more human than a gorilla. Look, these look like ideograms carved on the cranium. What could... Ah, he's up again. Mrs. Mulvaney, Uh, Dr. Trash... Don't panic! We're on our way. Come, Norris. The door's fallen away. Let's see what's within. All right. Just for a moment. We should go back soon to see the others. Cells! Look at the rusted bars. (laughs) These poor devils locked within. See now. These are the refined types. They're clearly not the livestock types. That one even has a ring. So it does. Let's have a look. Are you all right? What is it? Tis a seal ring. The seal is my family's coat of arms. This is too much, but let's go. Should we take in yon building? Looks like an English butcher shop, maybe from Tudor days. No, no, I I don't want to see it. You were in the trenches, man. You survived. I wouldn't expect you to be squeamish. Come, come this way. It's a cave. It just keeps going into the darkness. (gasps) Splud, straight from my dream. A sightless Stygian world. Such secret places are not for mankind. Wait, move your torch there again on the ground. My God, are those some kind of pits in the ground? The rats. It's where they feasted, until Walter's cowardly dagger put an end to it. Cousin Randolph was right. And then a lack of replenishment drove the ravenous rodent army, first to turn on the living herds of starving things, and then to burst forth from the priory in an orgy of devastation. You've heard the stories, eh? You know I have. Matthew! God, these carrion black pits of sawed, picked bones and open skulls. These nightmare chasms choked with the bones of centuries. Look here. No bottom. And there. What horrors skulk in such depths? What of the hapless rats that stumbled into such traps amidst the blackness of their quests in this grisly Tartarus? Careful there! Look, just my cat, darting like a winged Egyptian god straight into the illimitable gulfs of the unknown. He heard them. Do you hear them? Matthew, I don't hear anything. Let's go back to the others don't now. Don't tell me that you can't hear them. It's the scurrying of those fiend-born rats, always questing for new horrors and determined to lead me on, even unto those grinning caverns of Earth's center where Nyarlathotep, the mad faceless god, howls blindly to the piping of two amorphous idiot flute players. Matthew, please step away from the pit. Don't worry about me. You know, you've grown plump, Norris. Soft. The 
steps probably lead down into some kind of crypt. Is there no end to these horrors? Come, let's go. Look, there's one of the lights out past those ruins. Come on. Delapore, is that you? Norris, answer me. Follow the cat. Why should rats eat a Delapore as a Delapore eats forbidden things? The war ate my boy, damn them all! And the Yanks ate Carthax with flames and burnt Grandsire Delapore and the secret. No, no, I tell you, I am not the demon swine herd in the Twilight Grotto. It's Delapore. Norris is on the ground. Delapore, are you all right? Can you hear me? You flabby, fungus thing. Who says I am a Delapore? He lived, but my boy died. Shall a Norris hold the lands of a Delapore? It's voodoo, I tell you. There they are. It's Delapore. Oh, Captain, he's bleeding. Oh, my God, he's eating. Oh. Delapore Star, teach you to faint at what my family do. Splot thou stinker. I'll learn ye how to go Would ye swing thank we is? Magna mother. Magna mother. Ati. Be gone, foul apparatus. Stop him. Distract him from the front. I'll move round behind. Delapore. I would must Do you hear me? Mulvaney, hold him back. Hold on, Thor. Oh hold God. on. What happened? What has he done? He's mad. He's cursed. Here, let's cover up Captain Norris. Dr. Trask, tie up Mr. Delapore soundly. Right. This place. What do we do? What do we tell? It simply should not be. I think there's only one thing to be done. But first, let's get Mr. Thornton and leave this place. Wakefield? This is a surprise. Sir William. They asked me to bring a few of Mr. Delapore's things and I thought I'd pay a last visit. Uh, Are you all right? I've never been inside an asylum. Yes, Hanwell is secure. I'm sorry to see him like this. He seemed a kind man. It is quite a tragedy. I was just upstairs talking with the doctors. Poor Mr. Thornton is just down the hall, you know. But there's hope for his recovery. And Mr. Delapore? He shall never be released, I'm afraid. Mm. Perhaps that's as well. Now that Exxon Priory's been dynamited into oblivion, where would he go? Where will you go, Wakefield? What will you do? With the death of Captain Norris, I shall be leaving Anchester, sir. I believe I shall leave service entirely. Being known as the butler of a madman, even an American one, makes retirement appealing. You're a good man, Wakefield. Perhaps there's a place for you in my own household, if you change your mind. Thank you, sir. But perhaps we would both prefer to put the past week's behind us forever. You may be right. Good luck to you. God help us all, sir.
enemy! The demon rats that, that race behind the padding! Pluto, I, I forgive you! Why won't you help me? Don't you hear them? They're, they're, they're calling to me! Oh, damn you all, it's the rats! It's the rats! The rats in the walls! You too have been listening to the rats in the walls. Brought to you by our sponsor, Bile Beans. Stay healthy, bright-eyed, and slim. Take Bile Beans every night. I'm Creighton Cobb. Until next week, this is Dark Adventure Radio Theater, reminding you to never go anywhere alone. If it looks bad, don't look. And save the last bullet for yourself. The Rats in the Walls was adapted for radio and produced by Sean Branny and Andrew Lehman, based on the story by H.P. Lovecraft. Original music by Troy Sterling Neese. The Dark Adventure Ensemble featured Leslie Baldwin, Sean Branny, Casey Camp, David Carey Foster, Dan Conroy, Holly Hunt, Andrew Lehman, Jacob Lyle, Barry Lynch, Grinnell Morris, Kevin Stidham, Josh Temke, and Time Winters. Tune in next week for Strange Fruit, a diabolic tale of reckless botany. Dark Adventure Radio Theater is a production of the HPLHS Broadcasting Group, a subsidiary of HPLHS Incorporated, copyright 1931. Plus 86.